I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. WTIC's Computer Talk with Tab is brought to you by GoNetSpeed, your choice for crazy fast fiber internet. This is Computer Talk with Tab, hosted by Eric Semmel of Tab Computer Systems. Interact with Eric and his guest by phone at 522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. Email them in the studio at gethelpattabinc.com or get help anytime at computertalkwithtab.com. Now, here's Eric. And good morning. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric, and uh, Dennis is off today, so I'm flying solo. Feel free to get online. And I'll do my best to help you out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns. 800-966-WTIC. 522-WTIC are the numbers, and I'll do my best to help you out. Dennis is enjoying some time off, um, but we'll be back with me next Saturday. Uh, so get online. Usually the first hour is easier than the second. And uh, like I said, I'll do my best to help you out. We are broadcasting over at uh, WTIC's Facebook page. Uh, if Zuckerberg deems our broadcast worthy, um, you might get it into your news feed. Of course, you can like it and share it and post comments in there. I'll do my best during the show to try to get some of those questions answered as well that you might post um, on the uh, Facebook page. Uh, so feel free to go out there and do that. And everything's going to be posted live by Mike G over at computertalkwithtab.com. So any links that I talk about today or, or things that we discover uh, through our communications this morning uh, will be posted live over at computertalkwithtab.com. So it's the year 2022, and fake money is is something that everyone's jumping the shark into as far as I'm concerned. And it uh, looks like Norton 360 wants to be part of that as well. <laughs> I can't believe this. So Norton 360 is uh, part of that LifeLock company. Norton has been around forever offering uh, antivirus software way back when, when when viruses were something, you know, that just kind of bothered your system. Now, instead of encrypting your system and ransoming your system for ran for actual cryptocurrency uh, viruses back then when Norton started, you know, would just nuisance things, right? Um so the dinglings that are out there trying to stop viruses from getting your system ransomed are now loading a crypto miner on your computer so that when you're not using it, it'll actually mine Ethereum fake crypto coins with which they take 15% off the top. I can't make it up. If you're looking at a security company that's out there to protect your system and your your personal privacy, if you actually have any kind of uh, identity theft, is loading a crypto miner on your on your machine. Now you have to opt into it, which I would highly recommend against. Um, 
but the, you can't get, you can't get rid of the software. Um, it is loaded. Now you didn't ask for that software. Right? Norton just stuck it on there. Um, a lot of times that would be considered malware, right? Why would why you you asked for your an, an antivirus tool and they loaded a crypto miner on your machine at the same time? A security company to mine Ethereum fake money with your system at a fifteen percent vig. And then of course, if you actually do mine the crypto, if you decide to go ahead and do that. Uh, the fees upon fees upon fees to transact the fake money to actually get your real money out of it is ridiculous. But you, you just can't make it up. When a security tool is mining cryptocurrency, you know the whole thing has jumped the shark, right? Because cryptocurrency is the reason we have such ransomware troubles, right? These guys are not ransoming your system for gold bullion. They're not ransoming your your system for silver bars, or dollars, they're ransoming your system for Bitcoin, which is cryptocurrency. And to have a crypto miner installed while you load Norton on your system is probably the dumbest idea I've ever heard of when it comes to marketing. Um, so I'll put we'll put the link up here for you. You can take uh, Krebs on security. He does a great job, Ryan Krebs, uh, on his blog describing these types of scenarios. Uh, so that most the average user can understand it. And uh, he's got a tremendous blog out there that talks about this and just how crazy it is. And uh, you need, of course, if this will only be of any value to you <laughs> and Norton <laughs> if you have an NVIDIA graphics card with at least six gigs of RAM on top of it. So you need to use a lot of horsepower. So as he's cranking up your electric bill at your home and you're wondering why your machine is whizzing super high, uh, just, just cranking all the time, well, it's because life... Well, the folks at LifeLock are actually mining cryptocurrency on your machine. You had to opt into it, uh, but they loaded the software anyways. Can't make it up. Couldn't believe it when I read this. And uh, I'll put it out there for you to check out yourselves. In other news, I'm not sure if we brought this up before the holiday or not. We probably did. Um, Kronos is a cloud-based uh, time clock system. And uh, they were ransomed. And they've got millions of customers and a lot of them are police and fire. Um, I was reading a story about an Oakland fire department who was this this poor guy, this poor gentleman uh, within the fire department was beside himself. Right? He was he was beside himself. He said he can't believe that a company like this, this cloud based service, wouldn't have any kind of redundancies or or fail safes to deal with. This type of problem if they ever got hit with ransomware and had their entire system encrypted the way Kronos's was, meaning making the actual tool useless. So this is a fire. This is a you know these guys in the in the firehouse they plan for everything, right? They plan for every contingency. They make sure their equipment is ready to rock and roll, so that if there's an emergency for us, they're not going to say, oh well, you know our time clock was down, so we didn't know who to assign that 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 evening, so we didn't have anybody. In the trucks, you know, our cloud went down. Sorry, I couldn't get the trucks rolling because we didn't. You know, Bob was scheduled for Monday, but then the Kronos thing went down, and we didn't know who to schedule or who was on call. So we, sorry, we didn't roll your trucks. Sorry, your house burned down. Literally, this this gentleman was talking about how the cloud company should have had better redundancies in place when they had this outage. Are you kidding me? Really, you you really think you, you, we've watched IT? And you've listened to this show for 25 years, 
and you still don't understand that it's your responsibility. Right? That's the issue here, folks. If you stick it in the cloud, it doesn't mean when the cloud service goes down, you're admonished of all responsibility. You still got to roll the trucks. You still got to make sure you know who's scheduled to be on call for a fire. Right? How do you do that? Well, you need your own redundancy, your own backup. To think you're always going to have internet access or power or access to a cloud service 24 7, 365. I'm not sure who sold that to you. But if you listen to this show, I didn't. And I, I just it just struck me as, you know, oh, they should have had they should have had better redundancies. Sure, I'm not going to argue they should have. But of course they're not going to, right? This is an IT company. This is a IT service. If 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 you looked at how many Amazon outages that we have in the past week, it's it, IT has still got a long way to go. It's your responsibility no matter what service you put in the cloud to make sure you can still operate if the service goes down in the cloud, because it does. The cloud is just somebody else's servers. So keep that in mind. I'll put this link up here for the Kronos outage so you can see what I'm talking about. I've talked about the Electa outage, where there's all sorts of cancer uh, services out there, cancer doctors, who could not perform their treatments on their patients because the Electa cloud, running Mosaic, was ransomed. Now, I've had examples where those doctors have actually filed claims on their insurance and now their now their cybersecurity insurance went from fourteen hundred bucks a year to fifteen thousand. Whose fault is that? Well, it was Electa's fault, but the doctor's paying. So of course, Electa ran out servers to get them back up and running because they couldn't get their cloud back up. And in the case of Kronos, they said, "Well, you're going to be down for a few weeks, so you better have a backup plan." Well, that's that's the thing here, right? So we when we talk about with our customers about disaster recovery, as a company. What's a disaster to you? And I would, I guess, the firehouse would be like, "Geez, I can't. I didn't know if Bob was scheduled to be on the truck. I guess that'd be a disaster, right?" So you need to be able to mitigate and plan for when your cloud service goes down, when your emails goes down. Oh, speaking of email going down, Microsoft. If you had an on-premise Exchange server, and the and the date clicked over to one one, twenty twenty two, your mail stopped working. Yes, a Y2K-style issue, thanks to Microsoft not knowing what day it is. This was a bug in, believe it or not, their security tool to deal with malicious software on Exchange servers. A bug within that software caused all mail to stop flowing if you had an on-premise Exchange server when the calendar clicked over. Again, you, you can't make it up. Come on, Microsoft. You can't deal with the date? This is like Y2K. That's 20 years ago, 22 years ago. So big trillion-dollar company, calendar clicks over, your mail stops flowing. Um, rushing out, of course, all sorts of patches so that people can get their the malicious software tool on Exchange to be updated so your mail can flow again, right? I mean, it's you can't make it up. That's what companies like us have to deal with all the time. About 50% of all mail um, are, is running through Exchange servers on-prem. Another 50% is on 365, which would be Microsoft Cloud mail systems, which the argument sometimes comes down, well, hey, you know, if, if you migrated everything to the cloud, you wouldn't have that problem on Exchange. Right, yeah. So I'm never going to have a problem in 365. <laughs> okay. Uh, can I point you to Kronos and Electa? Um, so it's crazy out there when it comes to IT. It's the year 2022, and uh, we're all dealing with Windows 11 coming out on our systems. 
and we'll see how well that goes. Again, we would recommend you not rush to upgrade that yet, um, just based on what we've seen with Microsoft. Every version has issues, uh, and usually you don't want to be the first one on your block to be running the latest Microsoft operating system. So keep that in mind. So I'm going to be here till 11 o'clock. I am live. It is 2022, the first show of 2022 of Computer Talk with Tab. Feel free to get online, 800-966-WTIC-522-WTIC, and I'll do my best to help you out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns. We'll be right back. And I am back. Dennis is off. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. I'm going to be here till 11 o'clock. Feel free to get online, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. I know it's a new year. We got new troubles. Although it seems kind of like Groundhog Day to me. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but the Gumpert's Curve seems to bring the same amount of you know craziness that it came, that was here last year. If you know what a Gumpert's Curve is, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so here we are, year 2022. And uh, you guys might have seen this. If you're in the school systems, I'll wait for your calls. We have four lines wide open on this Saturday morning, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. But if, you, if you're in a school system that uses Final Sight, basically thousands of schools were hit because they had a prolonged outage. Uh, again, another, another cloud issue, right? So... This is across 115 different countries. Thousands of school systems use this final site uh, tool to communicate. So you need you need to consider disaster recovery. How are you going to communicate with your parents about whatever could be occurring um, when your site goes down? In this case, they've been working to get this site back up and uh, and running and. TechCrunch had a, had a story about it. About 5,000 to 8,000 other customers were affected by the ransomware incident. Yep, another cloud service hit with ransomware. Huh, who'd have thunk? Um, so it, when you talk about disaster recovery in your day-to-day business lives, and that's really real out where I'll focus because that's what we do every day at Tab Computers, um, clients say, hey, Eric, i got to fill out this form about disaster recovery. And it could be for NIST compliance. It could be for just simply because you're insurance. You're an insurance company, and you need to have some sort of uh, something in place to deal with what you would do if you had a disaster. And half the battle is first ex- explaining to the customer. So, what's a disaster to you? You know, is a disaster that your your server crashed and uh, can't come up, can't get back up and running? How how long would that be a disaster? If if it's down for four hours, is a disaster. If it's down for a week, is it a disaster? Uh, is it a disaster that you're you have an issue where you can't even go into the office? How would you operate? Right. A lot of times, folks don't take the time to plan for what a disaster is, and then how you're going to mitigate for that disaster. And it's usually a lack of imagination. You need to kind of sit down and think about what you would do in the event of. So, in the case of Final Sight, what are these schools doing? I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Um, if they're using that tool primarily, um, how are they going to communicate with their parents now? Do you have a, an email system or some sort of uh, backup in place in order to communicate with parents about whatever's going on with your schools? Um, you, you can't just hope the sites are all going to stay up and running forever, 24-7. It just, it just doesn't happen, especially these days. Um, so 
Think about disaster recovery. Think about how long it'll take to recover from the disaster. Think about the type of backup you have. So we pick up many clients who have offsite backup, which is a very good idea. The problem is they only have offsite backup. So to restore an offsite backup, just simple with a simple download, that can take a week, depending on how much data you have, especially if the offsite provider doesn't offer a white glove service to get you the data quickly. So is it okay? And you put a backup in there and the guy who sold it to you didn't tell you that? Um, or if you're using a system where you have what's called a BDR on site, a lot of times a BDR, if you look at it, you might have a server that's the size of a house, but the BDR is the size of your fist. And the folks said to you, well, you know what? If you ever have an issue where your server doesn't work, you'll fail over to, to that little box. And people are like, okay. Well, you can't run 50 people on that little box, right? It's not going to work. It got you back up and running. But to what extent? Did you recover from your disaster? Was it truly there? Um, did, it, did it deliver the performance you needed? Um, sometimes you really need to understand what you've put in place to see if it really will mitigate what's occurred. So we'll keep that in mind. We're going to go to your calls. You guys are nice enough to, uh, to call in here. We're going to go first to Rocky in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hey, good morning, Rocky. Good morning, Eric. How are you? Good, sir. How, what can I do for you? Well, happy New Year. You too. Um, I'm having trouble removing WebRoot. I used it successfully for a year, yeah. and it worked great and seamless, and I liked it a lot, but yep. I decided not to use it anymore for a while. Okay. And um, everything I've tried has resulted pretty much in access denied. And so I've tried um, <clears throat> advanced un uninstaller. I've tried rev uninstaller. I've gone into MS-DOS and tried to remove files in the directory, and, and it always comes back in the DOS. It always comes back access denied. The other areas, it doesn't even show up in my programs and applications area. And uh, when I went to advanced uninstaller, the first time, it didn't show up on that list at all as existing, that, that it was even there. Um, so I can't fully remove it. Apparently, I've got most of it removed. Mm -hmm. But um, I keep getting a prompt every time I boot up my computer each day that uh, mentions you know, WebRoot, and then it'll offer to uninstall. I'll hit the uninstall, and then it'll take me to Control Panel, Programs, and Apps, and uh, it won't show up there. Have you tried running, um, I'm reading right here, the Windows 10 uninstaller from WebRoot, uh, the AppWiz control panel, and run it as administrator to remove it? Yes, I did. All right, so you followed that exact. Uh, there's probably a uh, removal tool out there for a stuck installation, which is probably mm -hmm. what's going on here. Um, yeah. And I'm looking for that. Have you, done, have you had any luck yourself trying to find the removal tool for WebRoot? Not a specific tool for WebRoot, no. There is. There's definitely one out there, and it says WebRoot okay. provides a small utility to uninstall WebRoot security tools. There we go. That's what I need. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I can find that tool and put a link up there for you as far as how yeah. to use the uninstall tool because it happens with a lot of programs where they, they just don't seem to they get stuck, and they, they actually have written their own removal tools that should take care of it for you. Why are you no longer going to use WebRoot? Is there, did it start causing a problem for you? Uh, kind of the opposite. I, I, I surf pretty safely, and I have open DNS, and I've had good luck in the past. So 
I just wanted to go a while and just see if that if if I really needed it. Yeah, and you know what? We've talked about this on our show. We've changed our minds a little bit about WebRoot too, um, even as a company. Um, so we've actually decided that Defender, the latest Defender from Microsoft, has has actually started to live up to its its bidding and uh, it does a pretty good job of detecting viruses within yeah. Microsoft. Uh, yeah. This is a okay. recent change in our thinking as of probably last quarter of last year. Mm-hmm. So you're not okay. alone. Um, let us get you that uh, removal tool posted over at Computer Talk with Tab, Rocky, and uh, dot com, and we'll see if we can get that over to you and, and ha- hopefully have it extract the uh, the web root from your system. Yeah, yeah, they're just making it a little bit hard for people to fully uninstall. Apparently, um, I've run into that before with um, AVG and some others where they want to connect to the to the internet back to their main system when you uninstall and mm-hmm. and things like that. Are you not letting it do that? Um, I'm I'm going along with everything it it puts in front of me and, okay. and agreeing to everything it says. But the main thing it does every time is it says, "Oh, do you want to uninstall or renew?" and, and <laughs> pass the renew period. Right. And um, I'll say, "Yeah, I want to uninstall," and then it'll take me, like I said, to the programs and features again that won't show up there on the list. Yeah, it just can't. Eligible. It just can't believe you, Rocky. It's like uh, it doesn't want you to yeah. go away. It's like trying to uns- trying to unsubscribe from an email, and if you click well, the wrong like button, to have some kind of sense of humor, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll put a link up there for the removal tool. Hopefully, that'll oh, work, work for super. you. Th- thank you for uh, yep. for tuning in out there in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much, Eric. You got it, Rocky. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. We're going to be here till 11 o'clock. we got three lines open for you, 800-966-WTIC-522-WTIC are the numbers. I'll do my best to help you out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns. We'll be right back. Good morning. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric, and live here in 2022. Feels a little bit like Groundhog Day, I know, but uh, tis uh, how we continue to operate <laughs> uh, here in Connecticut. And uh, feel free to get online, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. I'll do my best to help you with your computer comments, questions, and concerns. I'm gonna go. We do have some questions on the Facebook page, but first I'm going to go to Hartford and John, who has a laptop question. Morning, John. Good morning. Okay. Um, I got. I recently got a new uh, HP Envy laptop. Oh, great! Um, of course, uh, I, my old one. I had eight years, and I figured, yeah, maybe it's time. Yes, it is. Um, of course, they don't have CDs or Ethernet cable hookups. Right. Uh, Sometimes they don't. I think that's, that's sort of become a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. But um, what's the best way to do a hardwire connection to this? Hardwire. Well, yeah, you would want to get a dock if there isn't an Ethernet connection. I would tell you to double check if there isn't one. A lot of times they actually look like little garage doors where you would the Ethernet connection seems half the size it normally is, but it'll actually open its mouth for the cable. Is there really truly not that's, one on there? That's the way my my old one used to be. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I'll check again, but that's what my old one used to be. Yep. Okay. Um, so you know what to look but, for. Uh, so you'd look for a docking station is what they're called. And they're probably for the Envy, a USB-C style docking station. Now, thanks to uh, 
the chip shortage and the 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 whole thing with getting product around the planet here, um, getting access to docking stations is difficult, and especially with HP. So you'd want to first see what version or what flavor of NV um, you have that, and what docking station they recommend. Don't just pick any yeah. willy-nilly one. If you can find the recommended HP dock in stock, do it, right? Go for that, and that'd be, that'd be my recommendation. But there are third-party docks out there that are kind of generic that would work with USB-C, yeah. And yeah. they'll have the they'll have the the Cap six connection on the back there. You plug it in, and uh, it'll give you also the ability to plug in a monitor and a full size keyboard and all that fun stuff. Uh, oh, should okay. you want to do that? So a docking station cool. would be the way to go. Uh, and that would okay, great. Um, also, um, I haven't gotten Windows. Uh, I mean, Office yet. Mm-hmm. You had I I've heard about Open Office, which was a free yeah. Um, is that still good? Still yep. available? It's still available. Sure. There's a. We'll put a link up there for you again for Open Office. You can try it out. Okay. And uh, okay. yeah, I mean, Dennis is not here to uh, confirm this, but we've talked about it. It does have some back and forth compatibility with other other things, and it's free. So if you're just doing Word do- documents for yourself and spreadsheets for yourself, worth checking yeah. out. And what about what about PDF? Well, right. It may not have the ability to create a PDF because that's kind of a proprietary thing, and I don't know that it does. I've never gotten to that level with it uh, myself to see if it creates a PDF. It might export to a PDF style style uh, file. I have never done it myself to say it will, um, but for free. Does, does um, Is there a free PDF file thing, or, or is it you just have to end up going to Adobe or whatever it is? Adobe Reader is free. Um, but create, creating a PDF, there are third parties uh, softwares out there, but they're not inexpensive either. All everyone and their brother is looking for an alternative to Adobe. Um, Foxit has got one. Um, there's another one that is on the tip of my tongue that I can't think of that another client used all the time. That uh, was a little cheaper than Adobe. If you need to edit um, Adobe files, you know the the best bet is to buy Adobe. Okay, all right, um, and. As far I have one question because we you talk a lot about spam and phishing and 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 opening up emails and clicking on things. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I I know enough to do my like the pointer over the you know the the address of the email mm-hmm. so I can see if it's like you know real or not. Yeah. But if you open a file. Um, and don't click on anything in it. Are you still at risk? Yes. When you open if, that file, you open an email. yeah. If you well, open an email. Oh, if you open an email. Oh. Um, I, but don't click on anything in the email. Does that still put you at risk? Not as much. No. Um, generally, you can open the email um, as long as you're not clicking on links within the email or attachments within the email. Um, very few emails these days have embedded abilities to do damage that we've seen. Um, but if you've got a good uh, mail security tool. Um, it'll prevent that message from getting to you in the first place. So if you've turned on your spam and your and your your mail security within your your mail, you know your, whoever's delivering mail to you, whether it be your pop yeah. service or IMAP service, they should prevent it from even getting to you if they're any good. I mean, I've got clients even as of yesterday screaming about not getting email because the security tool that we have in place was blocking it. Now we have this same tool on over eight thousand systems, but this poor company is like, hey, I can't get my email from this guy. And uh, these tools now are really starting to ramp up how they look at senders. So if the DMARC on the sender side 
which is how they sent their mail server up, isn't set up properly, a lot of these mail security tools are going to say, well, I don't trust it, and I'm not going to let you get the mail. So they're tr- they're trying to prevent you from getting impacted, and then so you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. In your case, just opening the message is probably not the biggest concern. It's the links and the attachments that you're going to be worried about. Right. That's what. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I I'm sort of an antique. I have AOL. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> it, so it used to. It's kind of. It's kind of. Not kinda, only that, I have no numbers. I have no numbers in my my uh, my <laughs> internet name. So well, I'm really an antique. <laughs> it's kind of funny if you think about it. I've used this term before, like jump the shark. I don't even think the bad guys are even bothering me to do anymore. In the old days, AOL would be a big target, right? Because it was everybody was using it. Now, so few people are using it. If you're if you're a bad guy, you're probably not even sending your spam to AOL addresses. <laughs> so you're so you might be under the radar. I'm not sure that's true. It could be a, just an anecdotal thought here, but the further the well, further away you get I from get mainstream, I get plenty of spam. Yeah, that's you're probably right. Yeah. So, but um. What would you? What do you recommend for? I mean, I sort of like you know. I I want to sort of keep the the email because it's just it's just easier and it's just um it's sort of associated with my name and so it's much it's nicer to have an email right. address like that. But um, well, uh, in terms of in terms of protecting myself, are I'm, there is there some add on that I can do that would help? Uh, not to AOL, not really, no. Um, if you really want to consider a more secure email system, Proton Mail would be the one I'd recommend. Um, okay. It's something that's in Switzerland. It's 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 also connected with MIT, and um, it's encrypted mail. And uh, it will give you some more protections than, than AOL. Mm-hmm. So that's the direction I'd tell you to consider. We all should consider okay. it. I mean, all these pop boxes, Hotmail, all the all the stuff that are out there these days that we've grown up with. If you haven't configured two factor, well, have you configured two factor authentication, John, on your AOL? Um, meaning if meaning if you if I gave you my computer and you logged into AOL as you and wanted to get your email, you know, we're at a dinner party together, and I'm like, and he's like, you're like, Eric, I really need to get my email. Can I log on using your machine? And I say, go ahead. Would that um, would AOL ask you for a second factor with a code? Um, I'm not sure because I don't do that. Yeah, so pro- well, you wouldn't do it if you've already set it up once. You might have you might have made your machine uh, approved, but the idea here is you want to turn on to any two factor authentication you can, um, so that if okay. some guy is sitting out there in Kazakhstan and wants to figure out how to get into your AOL account because he wants to read your mail, so that when you pr- you actually have a real estate transaction where you're wiring money from one place to the next, he can tell you to wire it to his bank account. So right. if you haven't configured two-factor authentication, he won't be able to get into your system, right? If you, if you, if you leave it un, okay. unconfigured, he could because your password is – what's your password? Got you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. That's good. Um, <laughs> oh, that's great, actually. Backup. Yeah. Um, they, they, you always get this OneNote thing with um, – is, is that worthwhile doing? OneNote? Is a OneNote yeah. is a note a note software. You're talking about OneDrive. Yes, it's yes. up it's up to you. Um, it is it is a way to back up your stuff. Um, but again, you're going to be backing it up to the Microsoft Cloud. And again, you'd want to configure two factor authentication because if there's anything sensitive that's being backed up to that, and I log in as John, and you haven't configured two factor authentication, I get to go ahead and read whatever you're sending out there. Um, okay. So you. you 
the better tool, the better thought would be to purchase a backup target um, that you would, again, control and have configured uh, with a two-factor authentication. Um, or if you trust where it's going with, with Microsoft, that's fine, too, as long as you configure two-factor authentication so nobody can get into that data other than Microsoft. And when, when the FBI asks for your data, they'll give it to them. <laughs> so, so when um, – I mean, I mean, I do have an, uh, just an external hard drive. Mm-hmm. Does it make more sense to just back up to that? As long as you disconnect the drive from your machine after you're done. Because if you hit, get okay. hit with ransomware because you did click on a link – because somebody tricked you because they said you had a package being delivered and you clicked on it and the ransomware yeah. hits your machine and if that hard drive that backup is connected to it it's going to it's going to encrypt that hard drive too now you've got nothing now you got to pay the ransom gotcha okay so in other words you just hook it up or back up the CDs or if you back up to CDs, you can do that. Um, our, you know, rewritable disks, or you can do external hard drives. And you know, I would tell you to do an A and a B at least that you swap back and forth, so that if you did get encrypted, the B drive is is sitting on your shelf, and you can plug it in and and recover. Right? Okay. It, it's only when it's connected people for, forget. You know, I've heard people say, "Oh, I've got a RAID in my computer. A RAID is just two hard drives. All you've all you've mitigated for is a hard drive failure." You know, you really need to think about what you what you're doing as far as protecting yourself. Um, and how you're going to deal with it, and having it connected is doing a backup that you're doing is step one. That's good, but you got to disconnect it so it's not vulnerable. Okay, good. Thank you so much. Yeah, John. Thank you. And uh, have a happy. You too. Okay. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. All right. So we're going to step out for a quick break. We got Dave and Woodbury and Joe in Stafford Springs on the line. And uh, we got you guys on the Facebook page here. And, and one thing I want to, to bring up, Honey was ta- Honey Ann uh, was talking about the 5G thing, right? I thought we had 5G. Didn't all these advertisements talk about 5G and all of a sudden the airports are saying, don't turn on the 5G? And she's asking whether or not, you know, you're dealing with uh, 5G-supported unlocked phones. I, I don't understand. Do we have it? Don't we have it? We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm going to be here until 11 o'clock and doing my best to help you out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns in this shiny new year, 2022. Seems like the same old, same old to me. <laughs> but we're going to keep muddling through here and uh, try to get uh, get through the hopefully a, a better year than the past years have been. Real quick uh, on the Facebook page is, uh, um, uh, what's his name? I'm sorry, I forget his name as I was talking about it i think it's dan uh dan is talking about a pdf option yeah uh called cofax power uh k-o-f-a-x as a pdf alternative a little less expensive than adobe probably a lot less expensive than adobe if you want to check that out um, we'll put a link up to that as well let's get to your calls we're going to go to dave and woodbury as i promised what's going on dave uh hi this is steve steve okay well matt thought your name was dave so We'll have to take it up with the complaint committee. <laughs> How are you doing, Steve? <laughs> okay. All right. We can we can let it go this time. All right. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> uh, I've got having an issue with my uh, my running my backup. All right. I'm getting an error message. Uh, uh, the message goes like this: uh, Windows backup failed to get an exclusive lock on the EFI system partition (ESP). This may happen if another application is using files on the ESP. And please retry the operation, access denied. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell me what that means? 
Oh, that didn't explain it to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't explain it to you. <laughs> so file locking and backups, right? So this is an issue for a lot of backup systems. Um, I'll give you a quick story. We, we had a client um, many, many years ago who would get a backup of 99% of his files every day, except for one. Now, we saw the error, the one error, and we would tell him, hey, you, you got this issue uh, on your system. you got this one file that's not being backed up. And it turns out the person would leave his computer on and his Outlook open. So the backup was trying to back up that open file but couldn't get a lock on it, so it skipped it. Day after day after day after day, the client didn't, didn't close his Outlook, so he could never grab that file. And, of course, one day his Outlook crashes, looks for the backup. Sorry, that one file was open all the time. You never closed it. I mean, he never did. Literally, he was in such a habit. Same kind of thing going on here. You've got something open while your backup's occurring, and it can't go ahead and back up what's going on. And the issue is, which application have you been le have you left open? Um, you want to make sure all applications are turned off so that your backup can just run and get all those files for you. Okay, that's... Well, I generally do that. I mean, I, I usually just run the backup and uh, by itself. I usually let it run overnight. I don't remember leaving anything open. But uh, in this, in the case of this uh, this fault, I mean, is the backup what uh, the files that I had backed up are they backed up correctly, or is the whole thing just a wash? Well, that's a great question. The the biggest thing people fail to do is to actually test their backup and perform a restoration, right? So. Whether or not you are running a backup, Steve, have you ever restored? So if I if I told you today your computer is toast, would you not even know what your first step would be? Uh, well, no, actually, that was another question I had for you to to ask about exactly how do you go about testing a backup and you know what's the best procedure. Right. That's another one of my questions, actually. Yeah, so you really need to get into the restoration side of the software you're using. It sounds like you're using Windows Backup to do the backup. So you should go ahead and create a directory on your computer uh, called Test Restoration or what have you and play around with the actual restoration side of the equation so that you had some, you will have more of an understanding as far as what you're going to do. It's kind of like the, our kids today who can't change a tire. You know, I keep telling my kids when they were they started to drive, I'm like, all right, guys, you need to take at least an hour on a Saturday and learn how to change a tire. Ah, Dad, no, no, no. I got 20-year-old kids who still don't know how to change a tire, um, mm -hmm. I'm sorry to say. Same idea when it comes to restoration, right? You need to actually yeah. try, do, try and do some restorations or you'll never understand what you're going to do when your system crashes. Um, and that's why they pay us the big bucks because we do. Um, so okay. create a folder and go ahead and restore some files. You're doing a full image backup. I can put a link up here too, uh, from a Microsoft site as to what they think could be causing this, um, lock issue for you. Uh, you need a clean boot, um, cause something is stuck causing this thing as well. Also your antivirus could be causing the, the issue. It could be, uh, not allowing the files to be, Backed up, so you have to disable your antivirus. I know it sounds like an oxymoron to go ahead and turn off your antivirus and run your backup, but that does that. Are, that is something they talked about here as a fix for this problem that you're experiencing as well. So, well, I mean, is this something that might have uh, changed? I mean, I've been using the um, uh, WebRoot and Malwarebytes for quite a while now, and uh, 
I haven't had a problem like this until just recently. So is there something that may have changed in Windows or changed in one of the antiviruses that could be causing this? Yes. So, again, I use the example of changing a tire. The lug nuts, the tire, the rim, the, the wheel all stays the same, right? Microsoft does an update yeah. on your software. Totally different software. This happens every Tuesday. Uh, so your software looks different every, roughly every Tuesday. To, and who knows what update, quote unquote, fixed issues and caused new ones. That's the, this is the bane of our existence. In the old days of Windows 95 and 98, these updates were a little less uh, of an issue. They still caused issues. But nowadays, Microsoft forces them on everybody. And yeah, an update could have caused this problem for you. Um, and a new update might fix this problem for you. Um, but either way, you're okay. thinking about your backup, so you should at least start thinking about how would I restore. That's the biggest key here. Um, knowing how you're going to recover from whatever failure you have is much more value than having the backup. Just going to some IT guy and saying, hey, I got a backup here. Can you get it back for me? Well, what software did you use? You know, What type of backup? Is it file level? Is it image-based? What did you do? How did you have it configured? And then the person's going to have to try to understand it and, and, and unravel it rather than you saying, yeah, I used Windows backup. I've done restorations. I just need some help. Uh, you, know, that's, you need to have those, those skill sets, Steve. All right. So, um, uh, so what you're saying is now if I create a, a complete uh, a new folder yeah. on the C drive right. and I can actually back, uh, restore my entire drive uh, folder. Don't go crazy. I don't want you to fill up your drive with another copy of your drive. I would tell you to pick and choose. Uh, mm -hmm. files just to, just to get comfortable with the idea right see if you can drill down to the great novel you're writing you know Steve's novel uh, dot doc and see if you can restore that novel to that restoration folder if you can do that then you're on your way if you want to buy an external hard drive and try to restore the whole shoot and match to it practicing that that'd be like step two but don't fill your hard drive up with your bat with your restoration because then you might end up causing bigger problems. All right, I gotta go, Steve. Okay, very good. Thank you very much. You got it. Bye bye. We'll be right back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.